Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for the truth we've already heard this morning. Father, I pray that you'll penetrate our hearts as we continue to worship this morning. And I pray, first and foremost, that you will continue to be magnified in our lives. And so, Father, as the kids go down to Kids Barn today, I pray that you'll bless that time there. I pray that they'll see you for who you truly are, that you are good news, that, that you are worthy for us to drop everything and follow after you. Because it's your name that we should be after. And so, Father, I pray that you'll bless their time. I pray that you'll bless our time. I pray that someone in here will take their next steps in their relationship with you today. We love you a whole lot. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, kids, through youth, you can head down to Kids Barn. And, hey, while they're doing that, if you want to greet your neighbor real quick, go ahead and do that, and then we'll get after it. Well, good morning. How are we doing this morning? Good. Hey, my name is Dallas. If I haven't met you, um, I would love, if you want to meet me after the service and introduce yourself, I would love to meet you. Um, I've been helping out speaking here for the last few months, and it's an honor anytime I get a chance. So thank you all for being here this morning. Um, we are starting a new series called New Routines. It's a three-week series. I'm going to get to that in a minute, but first, man, I just wanted to take a minute to just pray for our culture. I mean, I I was reading the news this week, and, and that's how all bad stories start, right, <laughs> reading the news. Uh, but I was reading the news this week, and man, just the, the disasters, the wars, the loss, the traumas, the sickness, all those things. And then you add on top of that the corruption, the abuse of power. I mean, there's so many things that are going on. And I was just sitting there one night just reading this stuff, and man, it was just so heavy on me. I was just overwhelmed by this, and then I remembered Esther chapter 4, and Mordecai comes to Esther. There's been a decree made by the king for all the Jews to be killed, and Mordecai comes to Esther, who's queen at the time, and says, look, you got to do something about this, and she says, you know, I, l listen, if I go to the king without being summoned, that could end in death for me, but then Mordecai replies, he says, look, you got to do something, perhaps. This is the moment that you were made queen. And I thought in that moment, I said, you know what? This is the moment that we were made for. That in the midst of this culture that is losing its mind, we were made for this time. And so I think that there's a, an approach and it's taking root in Christian culture. And I'm so thankful it's not taking root here. I really mean that. But there's this idea that says the world is so far gone right now. That what we're going to do is, we know that Jesus is coming back soon because look at the world. So we're going to punt on the mission and we're going to stand on the sidelines and we're going to shake our heads at the world. And we're just going to wait until the clock runs out. And man, that is not the culture of Grace Meadows. And I am so thankful for that. People are working hard in Kentucky right now and with Ukrainian refugees and taking foster care classes. I mean, you are at work and I just want to continue. I, I want you to continue to keep going. Just continue 
keep going because this is the moment that we were made for. Esther says this in, in uh, verse 16. She responds to Mordecai. She says this. She says, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And so I think what God has laid in my heart for you all this week, it's, it's, it's kind of hard preparing for sermons sometimes because you plan ahead and then God just kind of like dumps something in your lap to share. Um, but what I want to share with you all this morning is that, man, what would it look like for us to go above and beyond this week to fast for our culture? to pray, to come to God and say, God, we need a God-sized intervention in our culture, and we call on you to do it because we've seen you do it before. And then for us to boldly act as though he's heard us, to go into our communities, to continue helping all those people that need help, so that when Jesus does come back, he comes back with our boots on, that we're at work. And we see the world going crazy, and we say, you know what, this is our time. Perhaps while the culture is going crazy, perhaps this is the moment that we are made for. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you uh, for the truth of your word that like when we start just getting overwhelmed and losing our minds that we can come back into your word that you've given us and you can sort of reorient our perspectives. And so, Father, I pray that you will continue to work in this church. I'm so thankful for what I've seen of like just just doing it. Man, just being in the lives of people and serving those who need to be served and mourning with those who are mourning. And, and Father, I pray that you will uh, multiply our time and help us to just be a church that continues to live on mission. Father, we need a, a God-sized intervention. Um, we see what's going on and we know, we know that it's got to be you. And so, Father, we, we call on you to do what you've done time and time again on behalf of the people we care about, people we love and on behalf of the culture. Father, we love you a whole lot. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, as I said, we're starting a new series uh, called New Routines, and uh, essentially over the past year and a half, I've been trying to answer this question of what is the lifestyle of a disciple of Jesus? And, you know, sometimes we, we take root into traditions and things, and some of those are rooted in the early church, and sometimes they're not. So I've kind of taken this last year and a half to just observe, you know, what are some of those things that the early disciples did? What was their lifestyle like? And John Mark Comer, uh, he's a pastor out of Portland, he did a series probably six, seven, eight years ago called Practicing the Way. And he was instrumental in helping me with this series, but I want to go ahead and give you an outline of kind of where we're headed over the next three weeks. Essentially, discipleship to Jesus consists of three things, to trail Jesus, to transform to his likeness, and to train others to do the same. So what I mean by trailing Jesus is to drop everything and follow after him. We'll talk today about how this invitation is maybe a little bit different than uh, what we might think, and then next week, which is my favorite week of the series, we're going to talk about transforming to his likeness. It's not just about doing the things he desires, but actually becoming like him, and there's a major, major difference. And then in the last week, we're going to talk about training others to do the same, that a disciple of Jesus drops everything and follows after him and transforms to his likeness, but also then goes and trains others to do the same. And in the third week, I'll also maybe address some specific 
rhythms, because if you're like me, you know, you're just like, just tell me what to do. Uh, so in the third week, I'll just say, you know, hey, here are some things that I think could be helpful for us on a day-to-day as we move um, towards our discipleship to Jesus. Um, okay, so let's first define what we mean when we say disciple. And I hope I don't bore you for the next couple minutes, but this is really important foundationally for us to understand. So the word disciple comes from the Hebrew word Talmud, which means essentially follower of the way of a rabbi or apprentice to a rabbi. So Jesus would say often in the Gospels, follow me. And what he's saying here is, hey, come and be my disciple, follow after the way of me, and then go do the same for others. Now, Jesus was not the first rabbi. There were many rabbis before Jesus' time, and essentially how you would get to follow a rabbi during that time is you had to be the best of the best, okay? There was a school through about age 12, and if you were the best at memorizing the scriptures, then you would go on to what they called the house of learning, which, which was this advanced uh, schooling from about age 12 to 15, but most people were already done with school. They'd go into their careers at that time. They would sort of follow the family business, and they'd, be, and they'd be done. And then there was this smaller select group of people who would go to the house of learning from age 12 to 15. And if they were the best of the best of that group, then they would go to rabbis and they'd say, look, here are my qualifications. Let me follow you. And a rabbi would then say, sorry, no, or he would say, yes, come follow me. And if a rabbi said, follow me, what you would do then is you would, you'd drop everything and you'd go follow after them because this was an incredible opportunity. I mean, very few people were invited into the idea of following after a rabbi. So what you do is they'd say, follow me, and you'd drop everything, you would leave your home, you would leave, you know, the people that you lived with at the time, and you would just go after this rabbi, and you would You'd follow right closely behind them. Um, you would uh, walk every single place that they went. You'd sleep beside them. You would hope to sort of mimic the same behaviors that they make. You'd hope to transform to their likeness. And then you'd hope then to apprentice them and go and do the same for others. Now, again, so few were asked to do this, right? And this is what's so amazing to me about Jesus is Jesus comes along as a rabbi, he's called rabbi more than anything else in the Gospels, uh, he comes along and he says, all right, I'm actually going to go pursue other people to come follow me, and they don't have to be the best of the best. He said, you no longer have to measure up to follow me, I'm going to pursue you. Why? Because he's already measured up. Because he's already measured up. He has already achieved what we never could. So he would go to people like Matthew, the tax collector, a dude who was a conduit for Roman oppression of Jewish people. And he'd say, I know you just got done swindling a bunch of people, but hey, come follow me. I will teach you. I'm qualified. I'll teach you the way. Come transform to my likeness and teach others to do the same. Or to somebody like Peter who probably flunked out of school, or at least was probably suspended a lot for anger, and he's several years removed from school at this point. I mean, you know, you probably stopped school at age 12, 
and he's probably 18 or 19 at this time, so he thought there's no chance I could ever follow a rabbi around, and Jesus says, no, you, come follow me. Man, and to the women of the day who rabbis would not allow women to follow them at all at that time, but Jesus comes along and he says, I know your testimony isn't even valid in court, but you too, my kingdom is yours too. Come follow me, transform to my likeness, and teach others to do the same. The question I have today is, do you realize that it's not about our qualifications, but about his? And man, that's easy up here sometimes to just sit and say, yeah, I do. But on the day-to-day, do we truly realize it's his qualifications and not ours? See, the only thing that we need in order to follow Jesus is to just be willing to drop everything and follow him. That's the one thing we got to do, to to drop everything and follow him. This is an amazing invitation that the rabbi of rabbis, the greatest of all time, God in the flesh, says, you don't have to measure up, just come follow me. And so what we ought to do is just say, yes, Jesus, I'll drop everything and come follow you. This is, when Jesus says, follow me, it is the greatest invitation the world has ever seen. Another question I'd like for us to think through today is, is this, and this is a, a more difficult one, I think, for us, but we got to answer it. It's this. Um, are you a follower of Jesus in the sort of drop everything and go follow him sort of way, or are you a fan of his? Because the invitation that he asks is, is to drop everything and follow him, not you know, when you get a chance, when you get an opportunity, you know, next time I'm in town, follow me for a little bit. No, it is drop everything and follow after him. And there are a lot of places, man, where just like Christianity has become cultural. And I don't see that here. And I want to, again, keep going. Keep pursuing and following after Jesus. May we always be a church that drops everything to follow him. Man. Now, (laughs) You might be thinking, well, we, we can't physically do that, Dallas, like, you know, like physically on the earth, like we can't drop everything and walk after him now. So what does that look like for us today? If you got your Bibles, go to Galatians chapter 5. Um, scripture tells us that those who are in Christ have been given the Holy Spirit in us. This is so important that we've been given the Holy Spirit in us. So just the same way that Jesus called disciples to follow after him so now we must be led by the spirit galatians 5 16 says this we'll go through verse 25 so i say walk by the spirit now highlight that part walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh they are in conflict with each other So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are, now highlight this again. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, just highlight this whole verse here, 25. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So, the question that we have to ask ourselves each day is, essentially, are we being led by the Spirit? Or are we being led by our own desires? And this is a process. This takes time. And we're going to talk a lot more about this next week. I can't wait to speak next week. I'm really excited about it. But let's make an important distinction here. I'm not saying make sure you do spirit things and don't do flesh things. See, I think that there's value in trying sometimes, but there's a lot more value in abiding and being close to, being in step with, uh, following after. See, the thing is, I can do some things in my own strength. I can, I can love somebody until about 6.47 a.m. That's about when my capacity is. And in case you're wondering, I uh, start to engage other people at 6.45 a.m., so I've got about a two-minute window where I can really, in my own strength, love. Maybe you have, you know, a bigger window, but we all have a finite capacity to do. So the better thing that we can do is to be led by the Spirit. And if we are led by the Spirit, then those things that we've talked about will be produced in our lives. That we will see the fruit. And we'll see fruit either way. We'll see bad fruit from the flesh, or we'll see good fruit from the Spirit. Jesus says it like this in, in John 15, uh, 4 and 5. He says this. He says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. This is so important. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing, which sounds really blunt, but it's very refreshing to me. Apart from him, we can do nothing. He's right. We've got, we've got to stay with him. Stay in lockstep with him. We are the branches that must stay close to the vine. And I know that that sounds simple, but the thing is, in our day-to-day, we start pulling away from the vine and thinking we can do this in our own strength, don't we? We start to say, you know what, I can handle this, I got this, but our work, first and foremost, is to not do those things, but to remain in Him. Not to do, but to remain. Stay close to Him. Follow closely behind Him. Drop everything of our fleshly desires and just follow after Him. And if we stay close to Him, if we stay with Him, that fruit will be produced in our lives. Now I hope I hope that simplifies things for you this morning. I know it does for me when I stay there in that truth. And guys, we're going to miss this often. This is part of our sanctification process. We are going to drop the ball. We're going to we're going to forget. We're going to go and lean in our own efforts and our own strength. But I want to encourage us continue remain in him. Remain in him. If we can remain in him, we will see the fruit of love and joy and peace and so forth and so on. Now, one more point on this. Um, remaining in Him or being led by the Spirit means following after Him, but it also means just sitting with Him and just being, right? So I think one of our new routines needs to be just to sit 
I think Psalm, Psalm 62, 1 says this. It says, truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Now, that word salvation doesn't just mean, you know, for, uh, for, for a spiritual redemption. It also means to find relief in, to, to sit under the reality that, that he is our salvation means to just relax in him and rely on the truth that he brings. Maybe one of our new routines should just be to just sit in silence. And I know it's hard. Listen, I got a seven, six, and three-year-old. Okay, I know it's hard to find time. But whatever you got to do to just sit for some time. Because here's the thing. Jesus is a gentleman, okay? He's not going to talk over the other voices around us. He's going to wait. He's going to wait until it's silent. And then he speaks to us. What would it look like for us to take time this week, every single day, just to sit in silence? Because I believe he speaks in the stillness of our hearts. Let's be a people who, first and foremost, the new routine we make is to just sit in his presence. Now, as the worship team comes forward, I do want to draw your attention uh, to Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and 42. It says this, as Jesus and his, his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who, highlight this, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, to sit at someone's feet during that time meant that you were a disciple of that person. So Mary has determined that she is going to accept this invitation to follow after Jesus. That's so important to note. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Mary has chosen first and foremost to drop everything and to follow after Jesus, to sit at his feet and listen to him first and foremost. Guys, Jesus will allow us to find time to get the things done that we need to get done. I truly believe he multiplies our time, but first and foremost, we have got to just sit at his feet. We have got to be a people who drop everything and follow after him. And so maybe some of us this morning are distracted by a to-do. Maybe there are things that we feel like we need to do. Or maybe, maybe Martha right here is saying, I need to impress Jesus. I need to make sure my house is looking really good. I need to make sure I prepare the best dinner and I need Mary to come help me. Maybe that's you today that's just saying, I feel like I need to impress Jesus. I want to remind you again, it is not our qualifications, it's his. He, he does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And so if you're in here this morning and, and you've had these distractions, man, I just want to encourage you this morning to just drop everything and follow after him. That's it. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to make sure that that sin habit has ended so that you can go after him. Go after him, because the enemy will tell you these lies time and time and time again. 
that you've got to get everything together before you can come before him, and it's not true. I guarantee you Mary didn't have everything together, but she said, I'm going to choose what is better, and I'm going to drop everything, and I'm going to follow after him. So this morning, if, if you've never dropped everything and followed after him, man, I just encourage you this morning is a great time to do it. Give him everything. Follow after him. This is our first step in our discipleship to Jesus. The question I want to leave us with here today is this. What distractions do I need to give up so that I can first and foremost follow after him? Y'all, may we be a church that just drops everything and follows after him. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for your word again. I mean, time and time again, I just feel overwhelmed and then I, I search your word and I just I, I feel this salvation again, this relief that we talked about, this healing, this uh, my soul is comforted by you. And so, Father, I pray this morning that if there's anybody who just hasn't dropped everything to go after you, I pray that you will just stir in their hearts right now, Holy Spirit, overwhelm them and just, and just teach them more and more about your love and the fact that if, if they drop everything and follow after you, they have accepted the greatest invitation that there's ever been. Father, we love you a lot. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.